Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, welcome back to another episode of the 90th percentiles. Your host, Jeff Ponce, alongside me, as always, is my co host, Matt Pajak of Luton Sports. Uh, Matt, we're going to talk a little World Series today. This is a special edition podcast, but before we get into this, I had a great sandwich this weekend. My daughter had a cheerleading championship, uh, a regional cheerleading championship in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, Lowell is close enough to the North Shore that they have a little bit of a hangover, those North Shore style restaurants, in particularly the North Shore style roast beef sandwich, which is one of my favorite regional fairs in the Northeast, one of my favorite regional sandwiches. So I challenged you yesterday off air to kind of come up with your three favorite regional sandwiches, kind of have a loose definition of what regional means. So I'm going to allow you to do your thing. Um, But I will say that it may not be my number one, but a strong number two is the North Shore roast beef. If you're not familiar with this, it is warm, slow cooked roast beef, very, very uh, uh, tender, a little rare. Um, It's just melt in your mouth, cotton candy kind of roast beef. It is delicious. I order a super beef, which is done on an onion bun. I like the onion bun. Uh, You can get it three-way. I only get it with uh, sauce and cheese. The sauce is a little different. It's a a barbecue sauce. I believe it's Tom's River sauce is what it's called. A very specific type of barbecue sauce, very thin, kind of tangy. You throw that on there. Some people like it with the three-way with the mayo on top. I don't need to add the mayo. It's already sloppy enough. I like the sauce, cheese, the onion bun. Uh, grilled bun as well. It's delicious. Kelly's roast beef is kind of like this, but it's like the generic version of this kind of sandwich. I went to Rizzo's. It was outstanding. So that's my number two. And we're kind of going out of order here. Um, we're going to go to you. I want to hear one of your regional favorite sandwiches. You got three. We're going to go through them and then we're going to talk a little Diamondbacks. We'll talk a little Rangers. Yeah. Jeff's out here talking about beefs. Beefs, baby. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So like this, this one. For me, number three, coming in at number three, is a North Carolina staple and is the barbecue sandwich. So when you say barbecue sandwich, it's it's not brisket, it's not sausage. It is always Carolina chopped pork uh, with, you know, the apple cider vinegar sauce, if you will. I don't even know if you really call it sauce. They call it sauce, vinegar-based sauce. It's not really sauce. It's straight liquid. But it's, you know, they chop the pork and they, they pour it over the top and they chop it. So it's all mixed in. Like that's, that is a staple of Eastern North Carolina and never disappoints. So that's, that's number three. All right. Uh, number two might cause some discussion. Some people might be up in arms. That's okay. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? For this conversation, it is. 
And at number two is something that you can find a staple in Arizona, uh, the Sonoran hot dog. And for those who don't know the Sonoran hot dog, it is you know, typically bacon wrapped hot dog with all kinds of toppings on it, peppers and mayo and diced tomatoes. And uh, it's typically served in a much bigger bun that can handle all of that. Um, but the Sonoran hot dog, yeah, staple. Yeah, Cotija cheese over the top, a little coat. I don't know, Cotija, Cotija, however you want to say it. Uh, the Sonoran hot dog is a very special brand of hot dog um, that a lot of people do all over Phoenix. So, yeah, next time you see a hot dog stand when you're in Phoenix, go get you some. And it's appropriate. We're talking about the Fall Classic. D-backs are on the Fall Classic. Uh, Sonoran hot dog at number two. Number one is the king. And uh, there's – I don't think this is even debatable. The Philly cheesesteak. The Philly cheesesteak comes in at number one. Uh, I want to shout out uh, D'Alessandro's. There's another spot that's just outside of Philadelphia that I had once. Needs? No, it, it, no one's going to be able to guess it. I'm not talking it's about the, I'm not talking about what is it, Geno's and Pat's. I'm not, not talking about no, Pat's we're not. We're not. We're not talking about Geno's and Pat's. We're not talking about Geno's and Pat's. I'm talking about like South Street. Some We're talking ones. real cheesesteaks. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Pat's and go, Geno's is tourist shit. You go so. with you go whiz wit or what? No, nah, I always go with provolone, the real thing. Oh, damn, you got to go whiz wit, man. You're going all steak and cheese on the on the Philly cheesesteak. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna work backwards. I'm, type not of beef here. Hot, I'm not gonna include hot dogs in my rankings uh, because number one would probably be, you know, some Coney Island wieners from Coney Island system in East Providence. That would be my that would be my number one. We talked about this yesterday. But I'm not going to include that in my sandwich rankings. Don't number include three, it, Jeff. <laughs> number three, I'm going to go with a breakfast sandwich here. I'm oh, going to go with the pork roll oh. and cheese, salt, pepper, oh. ketchup on an everything. Get this in Jersey. You can get this in New York oh City. My goodness, that, Jersey's the go-to though. If you yeah. really want the real pork roll, you got to go with the Jersey. You can get your Taylor ham, your pork roll, whatever it might be. I don't whatever know what you want to call it. Huh? Oh, my gosh. What a poll by Jeff. Yeah, that was an upset. Number two, I already mentioned, that is the North Shore roast beef. But my number one sandwich is a Philly staple. I think it's better than the cheesesteak. That's the roast pork sandwich. You got slow-cooked roast pork, slowly sliced. You end up putting the, um, the broccoli rob on it. You have sharp provolone. So it's got a little bit more flavor there, and it's like flaked on. And then they dip the bread in like the juice, the odd juice, and they give you that sucker. It's it's a religious experience. Every single bite is like you know uh, you're making your O face as you're wiping your mouth. Um, that is hands down my number one favorite sandwich on earth. I love those things. Um, you can get them all over the place. I think the popular one. Or the, you know, the one that's probably most known is Denick's in Terminal Market. By the way, if you want to grab one of those, do a little bang bang and grab yourself a cheesesteak. They have a place that I, this is about 10 years ago, so the name might have changed. But they had a good cheesesteak in the Terminal Market place by the name of By George. That was legit. I remember grabbing one on my way outside of Philly um, last time I was down there. And uh, yeah, I doubled up. I got the Denick's. I got the cheesesteak. I ate the Denick's in Philly. Driving six hours home. 
you know, I had a little had a little road sandwich, you know, rocking and rolling with that Philly cheesesteak all the way back to New England, you know, bite yeah, after bite. Just, let me just say that you pulling out the pork roll breakfast sandwich. I, I'm still I'm stunned by that. That is such that is such a good pull right there, Jeff. Man, I, I'm a man who likes his sandwiches. You know, like, I got I got to shout out Paul Gallup, uh, former commissioner of the Cape Cod Baseball League, who introduced me to the pork roll sandwich in his kitchen. He would order the pork roll from his spot in Jersey where he grew up, and he would just fry it up in the pan for me and make me. A, sometimes he put it on the grill with a little bit of cheese. Oh yeah, did he? Did he did he, did he put the little cuts in it? He did a little cuts in it, so that way it was like almost like a little, like a little uh, three prong situation. That way, when it expands and you throw it on the grill, it doesn't like bubble up. Because like oh, if you yeah. if you if you don't cut it, it bubbles up. So you got to cut yep. it a couple times. See, I learned all this from uh, my wife's from New Jersey. So first time I went down to visit her family, her brother was like, and her brother eats like like especially at that point ate nothing but like meat and cheese and bread <laughs> like 90 percent of his meals were sandwiches and he's like you ever had pork roll brother because he was calling me brother all weekend like chris farley and like like tommy boy so uh he's like oh we're gonna go get so he wakes me up and like we go out and we got this just delicious greasy sandwich on a on a perfectly made hand-rolled hungarian everything bagel and it was just knock your socks off and uh yeah yeah I try to replicate it here, but I can never quite capture the true essence of a of a Jersey pork roll sandwich. I had one back in May when I was down there uh, to see Jackson Holiday in Brooklyn, staying with my aunt in uh, New Jersey over the bridge, and uh, I was crushing pork rolls, man. I have to. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of funny. We had the conversation yesterday about Cary, North Carolina, being a containment area for relocated Yankees, and there was a spot that we used to hit regularly for lunch called the Brunch Box. And they had pork roll on the menu and everybody that I went to lunch with didn't know what pork roll was, but on occasion I would order it and it was, it was pretty good. So you knew that there was New Yorkers behind the, the counter there. Um, yeah, that's such a good pull. Uh, I do want to uh, call out Leo's in Fullcroft, Pennsylvania. Leo's is my steak shop. I order a small cheese steak there. My notes say it is not small. All right. So Leo's, and then you go across the street and they've got this thing. And speaking of things that are very regional, have you ever been to a dairy drive through? I don't think so. So I'm sitting there, I'm eating this cheesesteak. That's delicious. It's a 70 grade cheesesteak per my immaculate eats food guide. All right. So it's immaculate eats. It is See that on your Twitter, by the way, double plus it's legit. All right. I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is the best steak I've ever had. All right. So I'm sitting there and I look across the street and there's like this drive through, like almost like a bank, right? Where it's like something on one side, like a covering and then the market or whatever. And it yeah. was like, this is like a dairy drive through. You go through the drive through and you get like your gallon of milk and whatever else. And like, oh, you need a block of cheese is a drive through for dairy products. So after I ate this cheesesteak, I'm like, we got to experience this. I went through, you can order a chocolate, like a chocolate milk in a drive-thru at this place. Yeah, it's crazy. I what sort of stuff that. are you getting off of the drive-thru though? Like what's the full menu situation? It's just dairy. Like you get different types of cheeses, like just cheese. Different milk. types of cheeses and milks and ice cream. And I, I got a, uh, a milkshake. 
Sean was stuffed because I was with Sean and, and he didn't get the small cheesesteak. Small cheesesteak there at Leo's, it, it's it's a large cheesesteak. So when he got the not small cheesesteak, he wasn't he didn't have room for dessert. And if you don't have room for dessert, then you know that it's literally coming out your ears because everyone's got room for dessert. Anyway. That's wild. Leo's. Yeah, I'm looking and here. There's one in Orange Mass. What, a dairy drive-thru? Apparently, I can... This says that there's Ann's Dairy Drive-Thru. We should be getting paid for this. There's also the Dairy Barn Drive-In. In, uh, but I think that's probably just ice cream. But interesting. I don't know. I'm going to call deal. out this the, the exact name of this place. So it was Leo's Steak Shop. Right across the street was... Come on, Google Maps. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're you can fly into Philly, this is where you need to go. You don't want to deal with those those narrow Philly streets that are packed with cars. It's called Swiss Farms. All right. Right off of Chester Pike. Shout out to Chester Pike. All right. Interesting. I'll have to yeah, ask Swiss my Farm. wife if she's familiar with it. She didn't grow up that far away from Pennsylvania. So maybe she's seen a dairy drive-thru. That's, uh, that's remarkable. I can't imagine like... You're driving down the road and you're like, you know what? I think I want a, a chocolate milk. Do they have coffee milk? I know that's a that's a regional thing here in New England. I think it's expanded, but did they have coffee milk? That's what I want to know. Uh, I'm going to look it up. Farm stores and Swiss Farms franchising. We are America's largest and original drive-through neighborhood market and one wow. of only three C-store chains to make the franchise 500 list for 2022. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. There you go. You want to talk everybody about this? Everybody <laughs> listening to this podcast learns something new. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling there might be some people who skipped ahead. They're like, all right, just please mark where the baseball conversation starts. I don't think that's true, though. We, we gave people jewels. We're dropping gems on them. Like classic. Yeah, go, get you, go get yourself a dairy drive through and a, a pork roll sandwich. And you know, make your bed and lay in it. <laughs> Jeff, nobody likes you when you're 23. Fall yeah. classic. Yeah, there you go. Nobody likes you when you're 23. It's like yeah. a Blink-182 lyric or something. I'm not even a huge Blink-182 fan, but everybody knows the song. Nobody yeah. likes you when you're 23. I started uh, thinking about Lady Tron. Nobody loves you when you're 21. Okay, anyway. Um yeah. Why is everyone disrespecting the Diamondbacks, Jeff? Why? Why? It's because they had a negative run differential and they only won 84 games. That's what I've read on Twitter, at least, over and over and over again. Yeah, well, here we go. Mad Dog Russo said he would retire if the D-backs made the World Series, and I think 99% of the baseball world would be very excited. Bless you, Jeff. Uh, he's sneezing on mute right now. I think 99% of the baseball world would be very excited if Mad Dog Russo never spoke a word on live television ever again. Uh, it's like listening to Chris Collinsworth. He's the Chris Collinsworth of baseball, and somehow he parlayed himself into an ESPN gig. I would take four Chris Collinsworths talking about their shirts before I would take one Chris Russo on MLB Network. He is literally proof that if you talk really loud and you talk over people and you're just really loud and obnoxious that you can make it in America. That's Chris Russo. I could not even tell you one baseball opinion that he has outside of the fact that he didn't think the D-backs were worth going to the World Series. 
But here we are. D-backs are in the World Series, and there hasn't been a retirement notice yet. So he's trying to figure out how to back out of that one because he's got a lot of money on the table. Um, Twitter, people all over baseball Twitter calling for reseeding in the postseason because there's no way Arizona should be playing in the fall classic. Some nerd named Nate Silver with 3.3 million followers. He should probably have 3.2 million less than that. Felt the need to share that quote. This is the least compelling World Series matchup in a long time, maybe ever. MLB made a lot of great and overdue changes this season. I agree with that. But it's time to contract the playoffs and give the regular season more meaning. It's time. Like it's like it's been years and years and years of thinking about this. This is the first year with an actual expanded playoffs. Nate, watch a baseball game. Uh, this isn't about Texas, but while we're here, I think it's important to say, uh, Corey Seager may be the best pure hitter in baseball playing in the world series. He's fantastic. I'm sorry. He doesn't fit narratives or anything like that, but he is a wonderful baseball player. Uh, Josh Young was probably rookie of the year in the American league before he broke his thumb. Five Texas Rangers started in the all-star game this summer and Adolis Garcia just produced the greatest FU drama you could manufacture. I mean, Jeff, just to, just to break this down. Okay. After pimping a home run, he gets smoked by a pitch late in game five. Mm -hmm. They lose that game at home. He goes over his next four to start game six with four strikeouts. He doesn't even sniff the baseball. The entire city of Houston in the stadium and outside of Houston is booing him. And then he rattles off five for six with three home runs to decimate the Astros in Houston. All right. Yeah. What are we talking about that this, that this isn't a compelling matchup that like, there's so much excitement tied to the series. And I just think people are salty for some reason that, uh, you know, maybe it's, ah, it's not the Phillies or the Braves or the Dodgers. You know, Okay, sorry, league parody. Yeah. Let's talk well, about the other side a little bit. Well, the other thing I was going to add in here, too, in the Rangers, and we haven't even brought him up, but Marcus Simeon over the last three years has been uh, the number seven player in baseball. Based on war, we can go into games played and actual like plate appearances. He's number one in games. Uh, I think he's obviously number one in plate appearances. Um, guys hit a hundred home runs over his last three years. He's got 304 RBIs over his last three years. He's got, uh, <clears throat> see, do, do, I think it's like 300 plus runs. Um, this guy's producing 338 runs over the last three years. He's producing over a hundred runs a year, over a hundred RBIs. He hits for power. He runs, he's always in the lineup. Uh, he's a strong defender at second base. You can play him at third base. You can play him at shortstop if you really need to. He's had strong defensive years at short. Um, this guy is one of the best players in baseball, and we never talk about him in comparison to some of the other guys that are in the conversation. So here, the the, the six guys ahead of him are Freddie Freeman, um, Mookie Betts. Uh, excuse me, sorry. I have to reset this. Uh, Judge, Freeman, Betts, Jose Ramirez, Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, and then Simeon. And Francisco Lindor is like percentage points behind in or ahead in war. It's 16.8 to 16.5. Like he's one of the, the 10 best players in, in all of baseball. And there's been, you know, uh, 
plenty, plenty of this over the last three years. So yeah, Jeff, I don't know. it's the Oakland A's effect. Oakland A's effect played in Toronto. Like people that follow baseball follow six teams, uh, apparently. So like they never saw Simeon play. And then when he signed with Texas, they don't follow Texas either. So they're like, ah, oh, he might as well not exist. <laughs> it's almost as if well, and the funny thing is there's like this this double narrative with the Rangers regarding and we can get into this later, but regarding how much they spend, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk about the Diamondbacks first, though, because that's that's what we want to talk about first. We want to talk about the D-backs. They've been the most disrespected. So let's transition back into that a little bit. I know you have some points to make. We're going to dig into the story of their season a little bit because I don't think the story of their season is that they're a bad team. Yeah, it's a good young baseball team that struggled badly during the dog days of summer. And uh, for anybody who's ever been – who has ever played baseball or been a fan of baseball or been around the game of baseball, they understand that the dog days of summer are no joke. And they were no joke for the Arizona Diamondbacks this year. But I do want to mention a couple of things here. Okay. Uh, through the end of June, they were surprisingly in first place in the NL West ahead of three teams that were favored over them coming into the season, San Francisco giants, Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres. Okay. A lot more payroll involved on all three of those clubs. 49 and 34 through the end of June, surprisingly in first place in the NL West. Okay. They lost 17 of 20 in the dog days between July 20 and August 11th. And then from August 12th through the end of the regular season, they were 27 and 19. So for 80% of the season, which is the first three months in the last month and a half of the year, uh, there were, they had a 76 and 53 record, which was a 589 win percentage, which put them behind. Just four teams in all of baseball, win percentage-wise, Baltimore, Tampa, Atlanta, and Los Angeles. So, uh, in my opinion, the beauty of playing 162 games and the reason why baseball plays 162 games is that you can have a stretch where you look lost and you look completely not like yourself, and you can recover from that and still make the playoffs. I think that's the beauty of the sport, right? In the NFL, you go through a tough month-and-a-half stretch, and, like, you are having serious conversations in your front office of whether you should tank and try and get a top 10 draft pick. You're having like the, the Patriots are already there right now, right? They're like two and four, two and five, whatever they are. And it's like the media is just running circles around like, okay, the Patriots need a tank. They need to try and get Caleb Williams, this, that, whatever. And it's like, man, it's not even Halloween yet. You know what I mean? And in, in baseball, you can have a tough stretch. Like the Patriots just had the diamondbacks had it. They lost 17 to 20 in the middle of the season. But again, for the other 80% of the year, they were the fifth best team in baseball. Okay. 80%, not 60%, not 50%, 80% of the season, the beginning part and the end part, everything but the middle, they were the fifth best team in baseball. So they absolutely deserve everything that they've earned up to this point. Now, are they an underdog? Absolutely. I'm not arguing that they're better than, you know, on paper, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, uh, Kyle Schwarber, anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is that they deserve to be here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you uh, pull out the numbers uh, in terms of their record over that 20-game stretch where they were down as well, um, where they lost 17? Um, Because that was – what were the dates on that again? Because I wanted to pull up Corbin Carroll's numbers as well because he struggles over that period. Was it like – It's July 20th to August 11th. There you go. Um, Because that was a period in time where, if I'm not mistaken, Carroll was injured. Uh, it was when he 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 swung and uh, it looked as if he had re-aggravated the shoulder. Perhaps he did, and that was his down p- point in the per- uh, period of the season. I mean, he had 83 plate appearances over that stretch. Hit 217, 321, 406. We obviously know that's way down from what uh, the type of production that Carroll had been providing prior to that. So, and then after. Um, so you know, it's just a matter of their best player, and I think kind of the engine of that team. Um, not to take anything away from the rest of their roster, and we'll talk about that. Um, but you know, when he's not able to necessarily drive the bus the way that he typically is, um, the team struggled. You know, and I also think that was a period in time where they were um, figuring out what they needed to replace, what reinforcements they needed. They went out and they added Paul Seawald over that period in time. They added some veterans like Tommy Pham, etc. And you know, I think that's helped to reinforce this team. And Voila, voila, you know, uh, two weeks out of that stretch coming out, or I guess 11 days coming out of the trade deadline, they snap into it and they ripped off what a 27 and 19 stretch to finish the season heading into the playoffs. So I think it goes to show you that they just had a really bad stretch um, in late July into early August and sort of righted the ship, did the things that they needed to, uh, the front office did, the team did, and they're here. And it's a it's a fun team to watch. I don't know how you could have watched that series and and not thought that they were every bit the equal of the other teams that you had seen in the playoffs. And I think that sometimes we forget that, you know, over that 162 games, 
and you accumulate all these wins. Depending on when you catch a certain team, what pitchers you catch, you know, um, you catch the guys when they're they're down, whatever. It can it can really shape and you know a 17 game split between one team and another team can maybe be more magnified in the regular season than it actually is in terms of talent, quality in the field and head to head matchups. And oh, let's not uh, forget that the playoffs you're playing good teams. There's a, something a little bit different about beating good teams versus beating up on the Tigers and the Royals and etc. Yeah, and I, I do think that like again going back to like the disrespect they just wanted to Philadelphia which has been the toughest place playoff environment for the entire postseason and, and won two games with their backs against the wall I mean I don't know I, I want to talk a little bit more about Corbin Carroll you brought him up uh you talked about you know how the team kind of he, he's a little bit of the heartbeat of the team you know and he's a winning player right so not only is he excellent at what he does on a baseball field, but I think winning players inspire that confidence in others around them. So I think, you know, whether that explains the dip uh, in the middle of the summer or not could be a factor, whatever it might be, but I don't understand why all of a sudden no one's excited about Corbin Carroll. Um, This is a guy that for the first half of the season, people were anointing. They were comparing him to Mike Trout. They were, um, he, he still is the most talked about name in the, in the card collecting hobby right now. Like everyone wants Corbin Carroll. He's the most desired rookie in years, uh, for collectors, right? He was three for four with two RBIs, two stolen bases in game seven in Philly. Uh, he showed up for game seven, big players show up in big moments. And he absolutely did that. And he carried them. He torched the Brewers in the wild card round. He torched the Dodgers in the division round. Uh, he just turned 23, turned into 25 home run, 54 stolen base regular season. He hit 285 for anybody who's like not super focused on home run stolen base numbers. So, yes, he can hit at a very high level. And he finished ninth in MLB uh, in Fangraph's war with a six war, right? Like this guy is everything he was billed to be. And he has carried it from day one all the way to game seven of the NLCS. And I don't understand why there was so much excitement around him in the regular season. And now that the Diamondbacks are going to the World Series, everyone's like, oh, the Diamondbacks shouldn't be in the World Series. And this isn't compelling. Like, this is potentially a generational talent that's going to the World Series in his rookie year. And he's making a huge impact. Again, you talked about it. He's the heartbeat of this team. Like, why is this not compelling? Why isn't this exciting? Why aren't people like, over the moon. This is what everybody wants to see in every other sport. Like Caleb Williams comes into the NFL next year. Like he takes whatever team to a conference championship or to the Super Bowl or whatever. Like people are anointing him like they anointed Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time while Tom Brady's still playing. Right. Like that w- they do that in every other sport. But for some reason in baseball, it's like, oh, like, yeah, we love Corbin Carroll in the regular season. And he's a generational talent, but he doesn't deserve to be in the World Series. <laughs> yeah and i think um you know it's funny too because carol is such a uh a compelling interview and soundbite he's really articulate very intelligent um and i think even beyond that like you look at carol and he's not the biggest guy we know he's a freaky athlete right like i'm not saying that he's an average man but he looks more like an average guy than aaron judge does 
right? He looks more like an average guy than, you know, a chiseled Bryce Harper does or an Adonis Garcia, right? You see guys like that look like Corbin Carroll. And to me, it's like the same thing. It's like a, it's like another Mookie, you know, where it's very similar. Where like Mookie I always thought was like, you know, really compelling and articulate and was a great soundbite and thoughtful and kind of like that silent leader that does a lot of things on the field that lead by example. And he's just a smart ball player. I know we talked about it. We use this expression, uh, sort of steal a phrase that's uh, sort of um, well-known scout jargon, but to say he's a winning ball player. And I think that's, uh, he's, he's like, you know, in the dictionary, his picture is next to winning ball player. That's what Corbin Carroll is. And he just does so many things well. Um, and I think I talked about this on our, uh, playoff recap podcast yesterday with Kyle Glazer and that at bat, like he went whatever three for four, two for three in that deciding game seven. And the one, at, you know, the one at bat that really sticks out to me was, I think it was in the seventh inning. He's facing Jose Alvarado lefty. He throws smoke. He's a sees a hundred miles an hour misses on it. First pitch, second pitch, just tips it. Third pitch is a little bit more on. He fouls it off. Fourth pitch gets the same pitch. 100 miles an hour from the left side, and he powers that ball to right center field uh, for a sacrifice fly and a score run go up four to two. It's it's stuff like that with me with Carroll that you just even look at like where he was in the beginning of the season when you know Tori Levu talked a little bit about hitting him lower in the order against lefties to not put pressure on him, and that's a challenge that Carroll took. He talked about this. And he improved against lefties in season to the point that he's in a huge moment in a deciding game in a hostile environment, facing a left-hander, throws 100 miles an hour, having one of the best seasons of his career, and he's able to battle and then make a play that scores a run for his team. Like, that's the kind of stuff with Carroll that sticks out to me. You watch him run the bases, you know, um, was close in a tag, I think, maybe in the first or second inning in that game. You know, comes in and just, it was like, textbooks like slide like i was sitting there with my eight-year-old and i was like that's how you slide the, the weight like everything the transfer the weight balance how he came down the timing he's just so good at so many little elements of the game that don't necessarily show up in the box score though he does fill that up as well yeah and he never takes a pitch off i, I think that's what kind of what you're saying here it's just like i, I remember in, in a lot of scouts will say they don't get a whole lot out of all American games. Right. But in the PGL American game, yeah, the, he, he hit a ball really deep at Petco park off the center field wall. And I think it went for a triple and that's great and all, but the most impressive at bat that I saw Corbin Carroll take that entire summer, that showcase summer was in that PGL American game. He went down Oh two to Daniel Espino, who was pumping 99. Um, and he came back and worked a walk, fought some pitches off, you know, Spino started, you know, trying to get cute around the, around the zone. And ultimately like six, seven pitches later, like he's standing on first base with a walk. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this dude went down 0-2 to Daniel Espino and he didn't take a pitch off. He didn't just like throw the at-bat in. And I think at that point he had already tripled off the center field wall. And I'm just sitting here, I'm like, man, that was just, that was a big league at-bat right there, you know? Um, and I think, you know, you talked about it briefly there, like the the scouting jargon, like a winning player. I think that's something that, you know, go back to our conversation last week and past couple of weeks, the exposure funnel and what travel baseball and the state of our game has done is a lot of scouts are complaining 
that there aren't a lot of winning baseball players out there. Corbin Carroll is absolutely a winning baseball player. I think Alec Thomas is another one who's absolutely a winning baseball player. But uh, talk to a friend who was close with that 18U USA baseball team this past year, and they did not have a whole lot of winning players. It was a lot of me guys. It was a lot of guys that were very concerned about their stats, how they looked, and they didn't really care that they came home without a medal. Um, and I don't think that's just indicative of the 20 guys that went. Uh, it might not even be indicative of all 20 guys that went, but I think that's kind of indicative of our culture of amateur baseball right now is that there aren't a whole lot of guys that have that don't want to give up on an at-bat or don't want to take a pitch-off mentality. And I think that's on top of all of his talents. I think that's one of the reasons why Corbin Carroll inspires uh, so much out of his teammates is because he's that good and he works that hard. It's hard to disagree with that, man. And, you know, I know you've had uh firsthand experience to be around the man. So yeah, absolutely. hundred um, percent. Dive in a little bit more on this team though. Um, yeah. No one likes you when you're 23, Jeff. Huh? No one likes you when you're 23. Well, Gabriel Moreno is 23 years old. Yeah. Uh, and Moreno was a guy that, you know, I covered here in New England when he was with New Hampshire and then and then with Buffalo. Um, I cover the Toronto system year round. So I cover it for the handbook, cover it in season. It's one of my favorite systems to cover. Uh, I like to say that uh, it's one of my favorites simply because I get to represent an entire country, Matt, and there's no other there's no other system that gets to do that. So uh, I take right. great value in that. And my youngest son is actually a huge Blue Jays fan. So um, I follow him a lot. I didn't love this trade when it happened. Um, I understood why they had Danny Jansen. They have Alejandro Kirk, who's one of the actually, this is funny to say, one of the best receiving and blocking catchers in the game is Alejandro Kirk. Um, <laughs> and Danny Jansen, you know, no, no, uh, 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 you know, no slouch behind the plate either. Um, both of them, obviously, strong offensive performance. So they had three catchers. I get why they traded Gabriel Moreno. Um, you know, they packaged Lourdes Gurriel in as well. Uh, they went and they got get Dor- uh, Dalton Varsho to go out and play center field. In the end, he plays a lot of left field, has a below average offensive season, and Gabriel Moreno has steadily ticked up throughout the year, gotten better and better and better, got stronger at the plate. Lourdes Curiel Jr. has been one of the best secondary players on this team, I'll say. Um, and you might even say he's one of the top three or four guys. Just in terms of watching these series throughout the playoffs, I feel like Lourdes is always coming up and doing big things and big moments as on base and guys you know, to drive in, et cetera. Uh, he's a really good player, and I think maybe maybe one of the more underrated outfielders in baseball, you know? not a super sexy profile, not an up the middle kind of guy. Great hair. Huge numbers. Great hair. He does. He does. He's got, he's got Dr. Seuss kind of great hair. Dr. Seuss is a great descriptor. Yeah. That's what I, that's what my dog, that's, I stole that from my daughter. So shouts out to Zoe on that one. Yeah. Shout out to Zoe. Yeah. He's got Dr. Seuss hair, dad. He does have Dr. Seuss hair. (laughs) Dr. Seuss trolls. He kind of looks like he's got trolls hair. You know, those things like pulling that. Yeah. The yeah. treasure trolls, like I, we had in like third grade, we'd bring them into school in our desks, and like you weren't cool unless you had like the the actual authentic treasure troll and then a knockoff one. Yeah, those things were always beat to shit, but <laughs> <laughs> they were well loved and well played with. Yeah, Gabe Moreno, uh, 
he's been fantastic behind the plate. I, I, he's he's going to be a top five catcher in this league for a while. Uh, he's hitting 280 with three home runs this postseason. So the bat is very much there, and he's doing it despite I don't, no one really knows how his head's feeling, but he's been whacked in the head a number of times. Uh, wild card round, Bryce Terang on the, the follow-through backswing. He went to the concussion protocol. They didn't take him off the roster. He missed a game, I think. Maybe he might have missed whatever it was. And then he takes a a heater right off the face, and I think it was game four, game three or game four. I think it was game four, and like he was down for a minute. He went back into the concussion protocol. He stayed in the game, and then the next game, like that ground ball with the throw home, and he gets hit by a Mack truck in Bryce Harper and he's down for a number of minutes, stays in the game. He just keeps staying in the game. He's tough as nails. He is what everybody, like when you talk about a catcher, like those guys get abused. And I don't think people fully appreciate how much those guys get abused. Well, this guy has put on a clinic on how to get rocked time and time again and stay in there. And he continues to just do everything at such a high level. I don't know. Like, Jeff, if you got rocked in the head continuous times, then you had to stand in there against Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and some of these guys coming out of the pen and you're just barreling baseball. I don't it's yeah. it's special, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's um he's a really good mover behind the plate, too. That was one thing that like I remember watching him back in 20, 2021, uh back in May is the first time that I, I got to see him in New Hampshire. And it's uh, Simeon Woods Richardson back there. And Richardson at this time had probably still does, but like a big overhand breaking ball was throwing a lot of change ups. There was a lot of stuff in the dirt. So he was, he was busy back there in terms of having to block and just kept everything in front of him. And I can just remember like there's certain guys like in, in, in the crouch where, where their center of gravity sits, it allowed. And like where, where they, they're sort of like, bouncy on their knees and this is a dude that's like bouncing back and forth you know he can go down block on one knee if he needs to he can he can set up more traditionally you know i saw him gun stuff to you know on clawbacks to first and stuff right from his knees same thing the second base you know quick pock times really really smooth transitions i thought he was one of the best defensive catchers that i ever watched um and i remember there was some pushback on that a little bit I think we're seeing it now. I think if you see how a guy, like one of the thing, first things that I ever learned from a from an old school scout when I was asking, you know, years and years ago about learning about scouting catcher defense, because I don't think it's easy for people, especially people who didn't play catcher like myself. And his big thing was was comfort in the crouch. Like how comfortable is he back there? And it sounds generic, but I think when you watch it, you see it. Because I can remember watching Alex Jackson and how uncomfortable Alex Jackson was at times in the crouch right? Getting up, moving around. Where like Moreno, man, it looked like he could have run to first base in the crouch. Like he was just so comfortable in it, how he moved down back there. He's always had plus, plus bats of ball skills, really good approach. You know, the power, his, his approach and his contact was almost, um, you know, at the expense of his raw power. Cause there is plus juice in there. You would see it in 2021 prior to getting hurt. He had a hand injury, I believe. Um, he was starting to tap into the power a little bit more. And I think coming back from the, the hand injury kind of ticked back a little bit, was trying to get up to the big leagues, which he eventually did. 
and I think was just, you know, playing a little bit more of a contact style game, but he's a great player. He's a great all around player. And, you know, I think he's a guy that if we look up in, you know, five, six years, and he's a guy that's consistently hitting 280 with 18 to 20 home runs and playing a standout defensive catcher behind the plate and multi all-star game appearances, it's not going to shock me. This could be like a Yandy Molina sort of type of catcher here, you know, and we're seeing the early success just like we did with Molina. Maybe not quite as early as Molina, but still impressive. Hey, if you're compelled to watch this World Series, make sure you're watching the Diamondbacks catcher because uh, he's really freaking good. All right. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Jeff, no one likes you when you're 23. Uh, how about Alec Thomas, gold glove finalist in center field? And he hit two home runs in the NLCS. Maybe one of the biggest hits in the NLCS when he hit that home run into the pool. Um, you know, Corbin Carroll, 23. Gabe Moreno, 23. Alec Thomas, 23. And there, there's another... Uh, he just turned 24 on October 22nd during the NLCS. So maybe people will start to show Geraldo Perdomo some love. Uh, he has been rock solid defensively at shortstop. He was an all-star this year, and he's got a 366 OBP out of the nine hole of the lineup, giving good at-bats, making contact, um, doing more than you could ever ask out of a nine hole hitter, turning that lineup over uh, in big moments during that NLCS. So, um yeah, four 23-ish year olds, if you, you want to include Perdomo in there. Uh, and I think, you know, Jeff, if we're being completely honest, that's why people aren't compelled, all right? Be, people really don't like you when you're 23, and this is proof, all right? Um, <laughs> you, you started to talk about Lourdes Gurriel a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about the veteran glue on this team. Uh, Evan Longoria, 38 years strong, playing third base. I think he's been... Uh, phenomenal for that team. Christian Walker, one of the more underappreciated players in baseball at 32 gold glove, first baseman who hit 33 home runs this year. Uh, Tommy fam, your boy, you love Tommy fam. You do love Tom fam. Uh, 35 years old playing on his seventh team always gives competitive at bats. Guriel 261 with 24 home runs this year. Uh, in bringing the flair with that purple hair. And then finally, last but certainly not least, 30-year-old Cattell Marte, who has been a staple of the Arizona Diamondbacks through all of their not-great seasons recently. Uh, he's leading the charge in the postseason. Uh, he's got a record 16-game hit streak in the postseason. He's hit safely in every single postseason game he's ever played in. And uh, during those 16 games, he's a 371 hitter with a 1,046 OPS. Marte undoubtedly earned every bit of that NLCS MVP. There's a lot of veteran glue on that Arizona Diamondbacks team. Yeah, and the benefit of Tommy Pham is if um, there's another big, you know, incident because someone decides to make a Dallas Garcia wear another pitch after a big home run celebration. Tommy Pham will be the first guy out of that dugout, and he will take on the biggest guy. He doesn't care. <laughs> you know, so just saying yeah. it's, a, it's a benefit, you know. You need the enforcer. I'm an old hockey player, right? Every every championship hockey team has that one guy coming off the bench, ready to start some fights if you need it, you know. Hey, man, you look at Kettle Marte, too, and, and that, that guy will throw – he'll throw a punch. <laughs> <laughs> there is you know a scratch I mean? punch. That's it. And like Gabe Moreno will probably run out there to throw a punch, but protect Gabe at all costs. He doesn't yes, need protect, any more hits. Protect Gabe and, and, and Corbin. Please. Protect Gabe. Yeah. Where's the, could they bring Madison Bumgarner back just as like an enforcer, possibly? Bring him back as a bench coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
you don't have to have them on the 26, but um, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Let's talk a little bit about the Rangers though. Um, I know okay. We, okay. We, we, we touched on it a little bit. I think there's great reasons here. Oh, you know, what? actually there's one more point we wanted to bring up on the Diamondbacks. Brent Strom. Brent um, Strom. Pitching legend. One of the greatest pitching coaches in MLB history. History. Uh, absolutely. Um <laughs> I think, you know, this is a guy that that definitely, you know, deserves his due as well. Um, as far as somebody who had a big impact in the staff. And, you know, we've seen a pitcher like Brandon Fatt, um, who was overwhelmed earlier in the season, went back to AAA, made some adjustments. And he slowly built up into the point that he's given them some crucial performances uh, down the stretch here in the playoffs. So credit to Brett Strong, uh, a pitching legend, as you have here on the outline yeah it definitely the ace in the hole and i just remember when they made that hire i was like this is really exciting for a lot of those young arms because i think at the time they hired him uh you had fought fat fought however you say it uh i, I apologize think it's-, it's fought uh ryan nelson uh dre jameson Bryce Jarvis, Slade Chaconi, you had all these arms that they drafted in the past couple of years and they were getting ready to matriculate to the big leagues. And I think I was like, he's going to be a huge part of their development. Uh, and then also optimizing the guys at the big league level. I think he's very well known for being able to mix old school and analytics and really be able to connect. Um, you know, for people who don't know, he was a huge part of the Houston Astros success, you know, going back to when they started winning uh, a lot of baseball games in the mid 20 teens if i guess that's what we're going to call that decade um zach gallon merrill kelly are really good starting pitchers in this league and you know brand fought like for for people who only follow you know the dodgers yankees mets um you know braves right there there, there are 30 or 26 other teams Right. And uh, Brand Fott was very hyped out of spring training. There were a lot of people that were very excited about him in baseball circles. And um, he was sent down three separate times during the regular season to work on things. And he pitched to like a nine ERA. Well, the guy who showed up for the postseason is exactly the guy that they thought they were getting um, coming out of spring training and coming out of the minor league season he had last year. So, uh, while this may be a surprise and a new name, and there's probably people scratching their head, who's this guy, Brandon Fott, and you know he shouldn't be pitching this well, whatever. Well, he absolutely should because this is who he's supposed to be because he is this good. Uh, and it's been huge for the Diamondbacks that he showed up to be that third piece for the rotation. So uh, between Gallon, Kelly, and Fott, like you're talking about three legitimate starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. This isn't a fluke. Uh, and then obviously the the bullpen – Ginkle, Seawall, Thompson, Saul Frank have have all been huge as well. So mm-hmm. um, this, is, this is, you know, to, I guess, put a period next to the, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like, this is a complete team. They've got young, exciting players. They've got veteran glue guys um, who do big things for them. And then the pitching staff from the starters to the bullpen. Um, this is a very real team and really excited to see this World Series get underway because they are Jeff as much as you may hate to hear this, anybody who's listening and, and is spreading the narrative that this is not compelling, the Arizona Diamondbacks are compelling. Absolutely. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Taylor Swift releasing her version of 1989 and potentially a double album. What are your thoughts on that? No, we're going to talk about the Texas Rangers. Um, just a little bit 
want to, you know, dive into the Rangers a little bit. Um, this is another team that I think it was funny. I remember talking with my dad um, prior to um, the oh, AMR. Mark Pryor. Uh-huh. Your dad, <laughs> Mark Pryor. <laughs> yeah. Prior, prior, prior to the ALCS. And um, it was funny because it was like, do you think the Rangers can upset the Cinderella Rangers can upset the up the Astros? And it was like, they finished with the same record. Like in the old school baseball world, they would have played a one game playoff. And there's a chance that the Rangers beat the Astros in that one game playoff and go to the playoffs and win the division. So I don't understand that. This was one of the better teams throughout the entire season. Had a little bit of a rough stretch late. But they also had one of the best trade deadlines of any team. Um, They went out and they got players. They're a really good organization. They have a ton of depth in their minor league system. They were able able to pull from that and bring up Evan Carter. And he looks like a budding superstar. So we have sort of this matchup where we have two young superstars who are really good winning players facing off against each other and these guys are going to come up in big moments you know i'm excited about that with this team you mentioned josh young and you know he's had sort of a tumultuous climb he probably should have been rookie of the year three years ago if we're being honest um but has dealt with a ton of injuries and you know kudos to him for sticking with it and, and having a great season like he has you know leody tavares is a guy that was rated highly in the system for a long time, he slowly has developed into a really good ball player. Um, and then they have all the stars. This this team went out and they spent and they bought firepower to move forward their their window to open their window a little bit earlier in terms of being competitive. And now they're at a great spot where they have another budding superstar in the minor leagues and Wyatt Lankford and other players. And it looks like if you follow the Rangers system, they've had some pretty big dev wins over the last year or two guys that have really, you know, guys that were non-prospects that have boosted themselves into prospect status. Somebody like Imlioli, I'm going to butcher his name, Teodo, who Josh wrote about a couple of weeks ago, switched from a four seamer to a two seamer, had a ton of velocity, but bad shape. They reworked the pitch. They moved into a two seamer because he throws from a steep uh, plane and release height, able to do something more with that. Um, You can look at somebody like Abby Ortiz, um, who was, you know, a forgotten player. Something happened. He added five miles per hour. If you saw my article earlier this week in, in yep. average exit velocity, he added three miles per hour, three and a half miles per hour under his 90th percentile exit velocity. So not only did he add exit velocity in general and hit the ball harder, he hit the ball harder in his higher end too, which is hard to do both. Um, and he had a tremendous season. And there's a lot of other dev stories. They're also an organization that's not scared to take a chance. Um, I think they were crushed for the kumar rocker pick they also got brock porter out of that draft they've done things like this with evan carter before where i think a lot of people were scratching their head myself included when they took evan carter in the second round who the heck is this guy they've proven to spend money on scouting get something out of scouting they've invested in analytics as well this is a really good all around old school meets new school sort of operation big market money development mashed together they're doing a lot, of, a lot of really good things here, and I think just kudos to the organization overall and the job that Chris Young and, and the rest of the front office has done to really round this into shape and build a really good competitive team that should remain competitive for many, many years. Yeah, uh, the, there's something I want to you know, hit on here. You talked about 
depth. They are a very depthy team on the position side, position side, and then they've kind of proven that a little bit on the the pitching side as well. I think uh, if we we're having this conversation, like okay, World Series, Texas Rangers, uh, they're in spring training, and be like, okay, yeah, I could see it, yeah. And uh, Jacob Degrom is going to start Game One, and John Gray is probably going to start Game Two, and there's an outside chance that Jack Leiter might be ready to go to start Game Three. I think if that's how. Um, if you're the Texas Rangers, you probably saw a world a couple of years ago when you drafted Jack Leiter and top five picks in the draft that like Jack Leiter was going to be part of your rotation in 2023. Um, I mean, if you think about the fact that Jordan Lawler is a high school player that was in the same draft as Jack Leiter, who's in the dugout right now for the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, Jack Leiter absolutely could have been part of this rotation uh, in an alternate universe. But you're sitting here you're talking about Jacob DeGrom, who's one of the best right-handed pitchers of all time. Uh, John Gray, who was locked down for the first couple months of this season. Both those guys are hurt. Uh, they went out. They got Max Scherzer. And Max Scherzer got hurt. And Max Scherzer, you know, he pitched in the ALCS, but he didn't pitch particularly well. He didn't really make an impact. It's guys like Jordan Montgomery. It's guys like LeClerc in the bullpen. Uh, that are really carrying that squad. And I do want to shout out Omaha legend Josh Spores, um, who I'm I'm surprised his arm survived uh, his trips to Omaha because he was he put Virginia on his back multiple years. Uh, and to see him pop up in high leverage situations in the ALCS and get big outs, I mean, good for him. Good for Josh Spores. But yeah, anyway, yeah. We're he's been here. huge too. I mean, he's been one of the, the biggest parts of that bullpen. I believe he was a uh, a rule five pick as well. You know, uh, one of my passions on earth is uncovering rule five draft picks before they are drafted. Uh, and the rule five season's coming up just in a few weeks. JJ and I are going to get deadline decision day in about three weeks. And then uh, we're going to be diving into rule five draft like it's nobody's business. Trying to uncover. Jeff, I'm just saying I got that the top two picks last year. I did. I, I I had my top two players on the board. They were flip flop, but my top two guys were Noda and Thad Ward, and uh, they went one two. I was actually in the Rule Five draft, pumping it up, getting excited. JJ had to tell me to calm down. There are very few people in this baseball world that get excited about the Rule Five draft, but I know Baseball America does. So, uh, yes, promote it, hype it up. It's a great time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, I guess just to summarize the whole pitching depth thing, the fact that the Texas Rangers have gotten here uh, with D- Jacob DeGrom is in the organization and hurt. Uh, John Gray's in the organization and hurt. Jack Leiter is behind in his development and not at the big league level. And Max Scherzer is not at 100% um, and wasn't really a huge factor in them getting to the World Series. I mean, it's depth. It's depth. It is depth i have to agree with that and nate Ivaldi is an underrated front of the rotation pitcher who's come up big in big moments many times Ivaldi, jordan montgomery backbone yeah. of the texas rangers i don't know this is gonna be a fun series jeff it's gonna be a fun series i'm actually looking forward to the world series um for the first time in a few years because it's not what we expected 
it's very compelling and it was a fun tournament so it's compelling jeff it's compelling how many times can we fit compelling into a minute compelling compelling <laughs> we shall see you know what though 56 minutes we gave you about 15 minutes on sandwiches and food dairy drive-throughs go and check them out who knows there might be one near you pork roll uh, sandwiches pork roll sandwiches for jeff Ponce for matt Payjack. This has been the 90th percentile. Thanks for tuning in. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.